welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I am delighted to have you with me. And now, as promised, it's taken me a while to get there. We've had a lot of stuff to cover. I do need to talk about the Federal Reserve and what they've done, what they're going to do. If you are listening uh, live or in delay, I, I want to give you a direct timestamp now as to when I'm looking at it. It is September 22nd. It is uh, 2.07 p.m. Eastern time as I'm talking. Sorry to those of you in delay. Call your station. Tell them you want me live. I'm just saying. The Dow Jones is down 47 points right now. The NASDAQ is down 150 points. The S&P 500 down 25 points. The NASDAQ composite is down 72 points. The Dow today, it's actually recovering a little bit from where it was. It was down much further earlier in the day, and it has bounced back a little bit. Um, It fell all the way down um, to right at about 30,000. It's now up to 30. 138, so it's it's come back a little bit from where it had been. And they seem to be, well, the Dow seems to be sorting itself out. The reason the markets, though, tanked this morning is because of what Jerome Powell said. Jerome Powell is the chairman of the Federal Reserve. And I want to play you some audio, and this in particular is what has caused the markets to fret. We are taking forceful and rapid steps to moderate demand so that it comes into better alignment with supply. Our overarching focus is using our tools to bring inflation back down to our 2% goal and to keep longer-term inflation expectations well anchored. Reducing inflation is likely to require a sustained period of below-trend growth, and there will very likely be some softening of labor market conditions. Restoring price stability is essential to set set the stage for achieving maximum employment and stable prices over the longer run. We will keep at it until we're confident the job is done. So they're going to keep at it. That's what he said. Now, uh, this is the other part that gave some heartburn. If we want to set ourselves up, really, really light the way to another period of a very strong labor market, we have got to get inflation behind us. I wish there were a painless way to do that. There isn't. So what we need to do is get rates up to to the point where we're putting meaningful downward pressure on inflation. And that's what we're that's what we're doing. And um, we we don't certainly don't don't hope we, we, we certainly haven't given up the idea that we can have a relatively modest increase in in unemployment. Nonetheless, we need to complete this task. That is going to be painful, he says. It is going to be painful, and they know it. Now, why is he doing this? And this is the part you have to understand, saving the the last clip. This is important. It is honestly important that you internalize what I'm about to play you because it's the big thing, and it also affects the Democrats this year at the the ballot box. People are seeing their wage increases, their, their wage increases eaten up by inflation. So if, you're, if you, your family is one where you spend most of your paycheck, every paycheck cycle, on gas, food, transportation, clothing, basics of life, and prices go up 
the way they've been going up, you're in trouble right away. You, you don't have a cushion, and this is very painful for people at the lower end of the income and wealth spectrum. So that's what we're hearing from people is, you know, it, it very much that inflation is really hurting. Inflation is hurting, and it's hurting at the bottom end of the income scale more than most. And unfortunately, the Federal Reserve has concluded those people have to suffer a little more in order for it to get better. Essentially, what the Federal Reserve is saying is that because no matter how high wages go up, they can't go up higher than the rate of inflation. They're just not. We've got to bring inflation down. Otherwise, every time inflation goes up, when you get a pay raise, you're still actually getting a pay decrease. If your pay goes up 3%, but costs for everything go up 5%, well, you're getting a 2% deduction in pay. So the Federal Reserve believes it's got to do something to right this, and it's going to be painful, and it's going to be painful for you, and it's going to be painful for me. It's going to cause us some economic chaos, some economic concern. It's not going to do us any good, but in the long run, that pain has to be had. Uh, I hate to say the whole no pain, no gain thing, but that's what it is essentially with the economy right now. Now, why are they doing this? Normally, when you head into a recession, we had a caller on this yesterday. Normally, when you head into a recession, what happens is they cut interest rates to stimulate growth in the economy. We hope, they hope, you better hope that it gets to the point where they do that again to get us back out of the recession. But right now, they've got to get inflation to a 2%. That doesn't mean they do negative inflation and have deflation. It just means they've got to slow it down to a 2% growth so that your wages can ultimately catch up. If your wages can ultimately catch up to the cost of living, then the economy balances itself out again. And so your wages can incrementally go up 2 or 3% a year. Inflation stays at 2%. Eventually, your wages, if they're going up at 3%, inflation's going up at 2%. Eventually, your wages get above inflation. Your quality of life improves. They've got to try to do it. The government has put too much money into the economy. It's not, I saw someone say yesterday, an economist say, it's not actually that your beef at the grocery store has suddenly become more expensive. It's that your dollar bill has become more worthless. I, I want to give you this scenario again to try to explain it a little better um, and, and put into perspective the histor historicity of this. Let's say the government decides every American needs an Xbox. So the government gives everyone $500 to buy an Xbox or a PlayStation, whichever one you prefer. I have an Xbox, so we're going to go with Xbox. So the government gives everybody 500 bucks for an Xbox. What's going to happen to the Xboxes? They're going to be bought up quick. What is Microsoft going to have to do to preserve Xboxes in the marketplace? They're going to have to jack up the price so that not everybody can buy one. The price has to go up. Now, what actually happened there? What happened is that the government threw so much money into the economy to buy Xboxes that the price of the Xbox went up, but really what's happening is the value of the dollar went down. If everybody gets a dollar, the dollar's not worth a whole lot. Very much like if everybody gets an A, 
the A is meaningless in the school. You're not all geniuses. You don't all deserve the A. So when you all get one, it's just degraded the value of the A. The government degraded the value of money. They degraded the value of money because we were in uncertain economic times. We actually had a deflationary depression-like event with COVID when we had a massive lockdown and shutdown of the economy. So they had to do something. So they threw a bunch of money out into the economy to start the furnaces of the economy. And the furnaces are roaring so hot now, they've got to deprive those furnaces of their fire, of their fuel. And they got to deprive it of, of money to slow it down and calm it. This is the problem. To slow it down, to temper and tame the fires, they may have to really undo the economy. And that's why the markets are not happy right now. The markets don't want the pain. You buy into the marketplace and you expect growth over time. I've mentioned this before when my buddy David Nicholas, who does some investing for me, was on the program and Nicholas Wealth, I said, you know, if you, you put $10,000 in the stock market in 1968, in 1982, do you know how much money you'd have in the stock market? $10,000. What you do in times like this, and I'm no expert, this is not financial advice, I'm just telling you what I read, is you buy value stocks, not growth stocks. You buy stocks that pay dividends, and you reinvest those dividends. You compound those dividends over time. When they pay money, some stocks do like Apple does, AT&T does, a lot of the oil companies do, and you just keep reinvesting and buying more and more and more, and it grows and grows and grows and grows the stock. So your $10 over time does become $100 because you've been reinvesting your dividends the whole time. You haven't been cashing out. And that actually works. That actually helps. That'll actually grow. Uh, at a time like this, the, the, essentially the Federal Reserve is saying we're not going to have growth in our economy for some indefined, undefined period of time. And it's necessary because we have to stop inflation. If we don't stop inflation, bad things happen. What are the bad things that happen? The crisis of the third century in the Roman Empire nearly collapsed the Roman Empire. What was the precipitating events? Devaluing the currency. What caused the French Revolution? Runaway hyperinflation. What caused the collapse of the Weimar Republic and the rise of Hitler? Runaway inflation. What caused the collapse of the czarist regime and the rise of the Communist Party in, China, in, in Russia? Runaway inflation. What caused the collapse of Chiang Kai-shek's regime in China and the rise of Mao? Runaway inflation. You don't want runaway inflation. Now, that's simplifying things. To be fair and honest, history professors don't call and yell at me. It's simplifying things, but you also all know it's true. The economic destabilizing events caused by hyperinflation caused economic instability, caused the rise of revolutionaries, caused the collapse of regimes around the world. Inflation has done more to bring up autocrats than standard political movements that have to thrive on something like that. You got to rein in inflation. Inflation hurts the poor more than it hurts the rich. And right now, you've got people out there trying to do their best to poison the well on capitalism and make capitalism. And by the way, there are voices on the right growing that are lamenting capitalism. And some of them have legitimate concerns about capitalism losing a moral fiber and therefore just being becoming about making money. 
and it's becoming a bad thing. I mean, Matt Walsh has this um, video up of a Vanderbilt University Medical Center, I think it is, uh, some medical center tied to Vanderbilt, where they're essentially saying they want to get into the transgender reconstruction surgery business because it makes money, and the kids going through it have to keep coming back for more surgery, so it makes more money over time. It's a good thing to get into as a moneymaker. I mean, capitalism unpinned from moral boundaries is no better than socialism. And now you've got people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez out there playing this up. Listen to her on, on, I think it was on Instagram. Take a look at it. There are, and it's not just Japan and South Korea, but there are quite a few countries that are really struggling because young people, because under the burdens of capitalism and under living under a society that's increasingly concentrating wealth among the rich, we're not having kids. See that? It's capitalism. Capitalism is what, what she ignores is that in socialist societies, the birth rate is far worse. In socialist societies, the birth rate is far worse. European socialist economies and communist nations like China and Cuba have far worse birth rates now than we do. The Chinese birth rate, believe it or not, is terrible. Communism and socialism, people don't want to bring their children to those societies. Capitalist societies still have higher birth rates. She doesn't seem to care. She doesn't seem to know. Maybe she does and she wants to misguide everyone, but she's trying to use the problems we're having right now to turn people against capitalism. That's what demagogues do. By the way, that's not what Donald Trump has done. That's what people on the left are doing. Y'all, these are the days that I sort of hate this show because I look at the clock. I'm like, ah, what? I've only got 30 minutes left. No, I, I need I need more time. Um, I got to play you this. This is y'all. Uh, this totally. This is this does more for the pro life movement than the Dobbs decision did. I'm actually kind of shocked. Every major news outlet this morning covered this news. The Today Show. CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, CNN, they all covered it. Wait, so you guys have to see this. Have you heard about this? So this morning, we wanted to show you. <laughs> I'm trying to change talking. the subject. Some amazing baby faces. Look at this. So researchers in Brit Britain wanted to know if babies in the womb react when the mom ingests a flavor of food. And this is what they saw. Do you want to guess what was on the left? Oh. So the left is a, a baby in its resting state. Okay. And then on the right, you see how he smiles 20 yeah. minutes? The mom ate some carrots. Oh. On the left, would they? They were just a resting state. That was a resting, but, but he liked were, the carrots. She had like a carrot oh, pill. So were there other foods? Yes, there were other foods. I'm glad you asked. You want to look at this baby's sure. reaction before? Mom had, <laughs> mom had kale. Wow, wow. So here's the thing. The what about if mom had had ice cream? I don't know. Why, why would they go? Why would they go with? Let me with explain. And vegetables. So the SETI's co-author says the images could just show muscle movements when a baby's reacting to maybe a flavor that's bitter. So you shouldn't interpret it whether you know it's happy or distaste. No, I think that's how I do. It. Yeah. Because once they get out of the womb, it's that same look. Yeah, yeah. it's the same. Way. That's not adorable funny? though. But it just goes to show, you know, what you ingest. Yeah, yeah. you are what you eat. And the 3D imagery is pretty just cool. Really they didn't really have cool. that when I was pregnant. No. Did you get 3D? Yeah, I got 3D. And really? Uh, honestly, Ollie and Rusty look exactly like they do the 3D in 3D images? Well, I guess that's supposed to be how it works. Wow. Yeah, seriously. This, that was the Today Show this morning. That was the Today Show. And you literally, you see a child with a, this resting face. And then you, you can see what looks like a smile on the 3D image of the baby whose mother ate carrot. And you see the resting face of the other child, and then you see the scowl. I mean, it looks like it looks like I look when I eat kale. <laughs> but it's they're in the womb. 
They're the, I'm telling you, medical science has done more for the pro-life cause than lawyers ever have. I mean, obviously, lawyers have, have done a lot with, with the Dobbs case, but I'm surprised. I actually am genuinely surprised that the Today Show, CBS This Morning, and Good Morning America would show this, those 3D images and the like, because they are so positively pro-life. Um, really is remarkable. Now, listen, uh, I've got about a minute here. So those of you on the phones, I really want to take your phone calls. Please be patient. Stay on the line, all of you. When we come back, I want to take your phone calls. Uh, I still have other stuff that I want to talk about today. Uh, I also here in just a second have to remind you about this this new thing for a moment. Yeah, y'all are going to want to stick around for this one. And I got to play you Jamie Dimon's audio. Ah, I've missed this. Do I have time? No, I don't have time to play this. Uh, Jamie Dimon is the CEO of Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase. Rashida Tlaib yesterday uh, came out uh, going full anti-Semitic. I want you all to know that among progressives, it has become clear that you cannot claim to hold progressive values, yet back Israel's apartheid government, and we will continue to push back and not accept this idea that you are progressive, progressive except for Philistine any longer. You, you got that? If you back Israel, you can't be a progressive. You have to oppose Israel to be progressive. This is Rashida Tlaib. She also called out these bank leaders, and Jamie Dimon went after her. Ooh, they got into exchange. I want to play you that audio. Well, um, a major fire uh, has happened at an oil refinery in the U.S., uh, two workers dead. This is in um, uh, the Husky Toledo Refinery uh, in Oregon, Ohio. Oregon is the city, not the state. Oregon, Ohio. Um, two people died. Uh, it actually, the fire broke out two days ago. Uh, there's been some significant damage. The refinery has been shut down and will remain offline there are people online, I bring this up because they're saying this is the largest oil refinery in America is the sabotage. It's actually not the largest. It's uh, not in the top 10 uh, oil refineries in America, just um, just so you understand. Uh, there are trolls online trying to scare people. Um, so, yes, uh, just to summarize, it is true that an oil refinery in Oregon, Ohio, caught on fire and two people died. It is true. Uh, it is not true that there are explicit signs of sabotage. Uh, and it is also not true that it is the uh, biggest oil refiner in America. It's not even in the top 10. There are lots of people online these days who go out of their way to try to scare you that there are nefarious things happening, like the people who claim that there are all these sudden mysterious deaths. Actually, these sudden deaths of like teen and 20-year-olds, they've happened for years and years. We just didn't have the internet to document them all. And people are taking things that have happened forever that we've never really had knowledge of. And now that we have knowledge of them, so, oh, this is new. Wonder what's happened. Do they have the COVID vaccine? Um, or this oil refinery, or uh, think about all the, the food processing facilities that have caught on fire. This is goes along with the oil processing facilities. Actually, we have thousands of fires at food processing facilities every year. When you look at the list uh, that the conspiracy theorists are using, they include like a butcher shop outside of Boston that got struck by lightning that no one disputes, but it's on the list. It must be sabotage. Clearly, there's something going on here. Uh, they want to presume bad things when actually nothing bad has happened. And by the way, for these oil refineries and these fires, 
when I was a kid, I remember the Exxon explosion in Baton Rouge or the refinery there. Um, these things happen just because you don't have knowledge of them doesn't mean they didn't happen before. What's so interesting here is we have so much access to new data and knowledge we never had before. We're hearing about things that have always been very common. We just didn't know about like the number of earthquakes we have now. Actually, seismologists say we're not seeing an increase in earthquakes. We just now know about more of them uh, reported in the news than in the past, but it's not like there's been an increase. There's just increased knowledge that makes it seems like they happen more often. That's what's happening to the conspiracy theorists. Use the increase in knowledge to make you believe we're having an increase in the activity, which we're not. Now, I want to go to the phones. I've been very patient. I want to go to Randy first. Randy, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Thanks for being patient. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, long-time listener. It's first time calling. Um, I, uh, I wanted to kind of bounce off the uh, Stacey Abrams comment about the fetal heartbeat. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm a former paramedic, retired firefighter, and I, one, of the thing, one of the things we learned, definitions we learned in our paramedic training was the definition of clinical death, mm-hmm. which essentially it was a cessation of heartbeat mm-hmm. and respirations. We call it cardiac arrest. You know, biological right. death is four to six minutes after that time. Uh-huh. But the reason I'm touching base, want to touch base on it, because you hear people talking about, about life beginning and such. If you go by that definition, when you have a fetal heartbeat, even though they want to call it just cardiac tissue, you know, pulsating, by the clinical definition, this is a medical definition, is that not life? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And by the way, you should know that uh, even like the American Academy of Gynecologists and the like have always said that until it became a defining moment for pro-lifers and then they tried to move the definitions. Um, the fact that you got to move the definitions in response to politics tells you you're probably they're probably not on good footing. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. That's a great point there. I mean, it, when, you, when your body's got the electrical activity to uh, pulse the heart, to send brain waves, um, you're definitionally alive. And so... That child in utero, excuse me, in utero is alive at the time. Now, back to the phones. Glenn, you're going to be up next. Glenn, welcome to the show. Okay. Hey, uh, uh, this seems simplistic after your history lesson on inflation and what it's done, but I was thinking, analogy, effects of inflation are like a flooded basement. Inflation is the leak into the basement, and your, your pay raises are a bucket. Just because inflation slows doesn't mean the, the basement's not still full of water. It's just not filling up as fast. So, yeah, that's a good so way to look at it. Inflation is down, inflation is down, and, and people are wondering, why am I still standing in water? And then the unfortunate thing is the lower-income folks, they live in the basement. Yeah. Look, that's a that's an excellent way to talk about it, and that's kind of what the Federal Reserve is getting at here. We, we've got to take some dramatic action to stop this because inflation is really a tax on the poor. And, and, Glenn, you know, you say that. This reminds me. I want to play Steve Ratner. Steve Ratner was Obama's auto czar. He was on uh, MSNBC on Morning Joe this morning. Listen to this. The big question around all of this, of course, is are we going to have a recession? How bad is it going to be? We know no way in, in economic science of slowing an economy other by having people buy less, other by pe- which means, often means people having less income, which often means fewer jobs, and all that can translate into a negative GDP or a recession, as we call it. And I think the economists are not by any means unanimous, but I think the, uh, the uh, uh, majority of, of economists would say that it is highly likely that sometime in the next 12 to 24 months, 
we will have some kind of recession if and when the Fed remains committed to bring inflation down to 2%, which Jay Powell said again yesterday was absolutely his commitment. So the timing of the economic cycle here and the timing of the election cycle here may not be ideal uh, for the party in, for the incumbents and the party in power. Yeah, the Fed doing its part to slam on the brakes. Oh, yep, that last one, uh, not going to be good for the incumbent party. No, no sorry, Bob, it's not going to be good. Not going to be good at all. Let's go back to the phone. Steve, you're going to be up next. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric, thanks for what you do. Thanks for taking my call. So sure. before I get to the uh, uh, Rabbi um, Khan book, um, I would like to say, about the smile on the baby's on the fetal ba on the baby mm -hmm. in the womb's face. Mom, mom like cookie. Give mom cookie and then see what that baby does. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Kick in the womb. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you know that, that was reminds my sad me, impression so, of Cookie Monster. Uh, okay, uh, Steve. I, you know, just as an aside, so Cracker Barrel, the restaurant, has a dessert they serve during Christmas. I don't know; they may do it all year long now. Uh, but yeah. it's Coca Cola chocolate fudge cake, which is actually. Oh my God incredible it is it is one of my favorite desserts and when my sister was pregnant uh with my niece and ate that you literally could see like the baby in the womb just start kicking and like you could just tell baby love cake baby love cake <laughs> yeah yeah so, so, so the, the other part of my, my main part before i got distracted when i was waiting on hold is rabbi jonathan khan i heard him on the radio he's got a recent book called The Return of the Gods. And my wife is stuck in her room reading it. She won't put it down. She won't make dinner. She won't wash the clothes. Boy, is that sexist. Anyway, um, <laughs> she, but, but I can't get her out of there because she won't, she won't put it down. And it's about, this is, they're recycling from back in the days of Baal, everything that's going on now with the gender stuff and this trans stuff and all that is, and so if you want to look up the book, and maybe have him on your show to talk about the book, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, The Return, of course, of the Lowercase Gods, The Return of the Gods. It is incredible. I will check out the book. I, I, I'm, I know who he is. I'm not familiar with the book, Steve. Thanks very much for the recommendation. I'll, I'll check it out. Um, I've been a little bit hesitant with, with folks like that in, in large part, honestly, because of uh, the, the the prophetic basis, for example, of like Donald Trump's rise and things like that, I, I get a little bit, uh, it, it, my theology is somewhat not compatible with some of that, but um, I will definitely, I, I, I promise I will check out The Return of the Gods and, and read the book. Uh, he is an intriguing thinker. Um, okay, I, I gotta, y'all, I've promised you, and I've got to play this for you, Rashida Tlaib, the progressive congresswoman who believes you cannot be a progressive if you support Israel. She was grilling uh, the banking executives of America. She had them all up there, had them all up there, had up um, uh, the, the head of Citibank, the head of Chase, the head of Wells Fargo, the head of Bank of America. Uh, Jamie Dion is probably the leading banker in America. He's the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. People pay attention to him when he speaks. Rashida Tlaib does not like him because of this exchange. Well, she hated him before now, now she really hates him. You have all committed, as you all know, uh, to transition the emissions from lending and investment activities to align with pathways to net zero in 2050. 
Do you know uh, what the International Energy Energy um, Agency has said is required to meet our goal, global 2050 net zero targets of limiting global temperature rise to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.5 degrees Celsius? So no. Celsius, Celsius, not Celsius, Celsius. Fossil fuel production starting today. That's so. That's like. Oh, wait, go back. Go zero. back. Well, I would like to ask all of you and go down the list, because again, you all have agreed to doing this. Please answer with a simple yes or no. Does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products? Mr. Diamond. Absolutely not. And that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine, sir. You know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably re take out their account and close their account. The fact that you're not even there to help relieve many of the folks that are in debt, extreme debt, because of student loan debt, and you're out there criticizing it. Ms. Frazier, how about you? Uh, we will continue to invest in uh, and support clients who are investing in fossil fuels and in, uh, in helping them transition to cleaner energies. And Mr. Uh, Monahan? We... This is the Bank of America CEO. Listen to how weak he sounds after Diamond. Help our clients make a transition, and that means we're, we're lending to both oil and gas companies and to new energy companies and helping monitor their course towards the standards you're talking about. Doesn't even want to make eye contact. Yeah, Mr. Sharp. Uh, excuse me, uh, the same thing as Mr. Moynihan said. Yeah, I, I'm not going to ask you, Mr. Diamond, because you obviously don't care about working class people in frontline communities like ours that are facing huge amounts of high rates of asthma, respiratory issues, and so much more. Cancer rates are so high among my communities that I represent. So I'm not going to even ask you if you're committing to ending financing of new oil and gas projects. But Ms. Frazier, Mr. Monahan, Mr. Shea, we are living through a climate crisis today, and a commitment to net zero requires a commitment to ending fossil fuel financing. It is important because I want you all to know at the end, we're gonna pay the cost of the public health impact. These are people that you're supposed to be serving, the folks that you're supposed to be providing and supporting in communities. Wow, you know, you gotta give it to these guys. I, I couldn't do that. I could not sit there and be lectured by that anti-Semitic idiot. There is no way I could sit in that room without calling her out. Jamie Dimon's response, was to not give, uh, not do banking with the oil and gas industry would be, quote, the road to hell for America. That is what he said. Now, interestingly enough, I should point out, however, that though he did that, and though he said that under oath, he is a member, and J.P. Morgan Chase is a member of the Net Zero Banking Alliance. And the Net Zero Banking Alliance is one of those ESG groups. Now, what's what's fascinating to me is I think that J.P. Morgan Chase is trying to have it both ways here. And, and I think we can see that, that he says under oath before Congress that to stop doing business with oil and gas uh, companies would be the road to hell for America. But publicly, they, they joined the ESG group, and they can say that's what they're working for. They're trying to have it both ways. Uh, John Kennedy, the senator from Louisiana, has pointed out repeatedly the only way to beat the wokes is to not play their game. The only way for them to leave you alone is to not play their game. You will never satisfy them enough, so just don't play the game. Maybe 
J.P. Morgan Chase will head in that direction. One of the groups that helping push back against the wokes is Patriot Mobile, and you can take your cell phone business to them. And with them, you can fight the way you do this. You compound your dollars in the conservative movement because they take a portion of their profits and give it to the conservative movement. Importantly, importantly, you get guaranteed great service. You don't have to worry about your cell phone quality at Patriot Mobile. They get great, better cell phone coverage than people at some of the big companies get who have just crap service, though they advertise nationwide service. Uh, Patriot Mobile's great, and you get free activation with my name by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT is the number. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. They give you great discounts. If you're a veteran, first responder, a teacher, an NRA member, you name it, they give you good discounts. They take a portion of their product. Profits. They give it to the conservative movement. The phone number again is 972-PATRIOT. The website is patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You help the conservative movement by moving your business to Patriot Mobile. You can take your existing phone number and port it over or get a brand new one from them. If you have an unlocked cell phone, you can use it on their network. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. I, I gotta end with this aggravating story. CBS News covered the murder of the young man in North Dakota. They did a five four hundred word write up on the story. If you recall, a forty one year old progressive who was drunk saw this 18-year-old, insisted he was a Republican political extremist and ran him over. The 18-year-old called his mother in a panic and said he was being chased. The driver who ran over this 18-year-old explicitly said it was over politics. Kyler Ellenson was the 18-year-old. 400 words, 400 words CBS News spins covering this story and never mentions that Shannon Brandt, the 41-year-old, ran over Kyler Ellison because Ellison was a Republican. Never mentioned it. It's not me interpreting things. It's what Brandt said that Ellenson was a Republican political extremist. And CBS doesn't report that part of the story. In fact, most of the media hasn't. Only the local media in North Dakota has. This comes two weeks after Joe Biden's speech about Republican political extremism. And... All I can think is if Donald Trump had done that, if Donald Trump had given that speech and called Democrats political extremists and then a a crazy drunk Republican ran over a Democrat saying it was a Democratic political extremist, you and I both know darn well what the media would do. We know it. You know it. Don't deny it. You know how they would cover it. I've been on TV. I've been on CNN. I was there with the Gabby Gifford situation. I know how it was covered till the moment it turned out the guy had no political agenda and it disappeared. In this case, the guy had a political agenda, but it was the Democratic Party. 
And so they've memory hold that data point as they cover the story. All the headline says North Dakota driver charged with fatally striking teenager says he purposefully hit teen after a political argument. That's it. That's how they cover it. That it was a political argument. Don't say what the political argument was. You can read the whole story and not know that. This is why so many people distrust the media. You know they're telling you things and leaving out key points that interfere with their narrative. Everything's about the narrative now. It's not about the truth. I prefer to be about the truth. I got a great Yeti cup for the show. It's got the logo on one side. On the back side, it says truth matters most. It must matter most. And it should matter most for the media and that it doesn't is why people are tuning out the mainstream media these days and relying, frankly, on people like me to tell them the whole truth of the story.